0: Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey, what's up, it's Zane. Thanks for pressing play on another conversation right here on the Interview Series. This week, my guest, someone I've known for a long time, but it's taken a long time for us to actually spend the time talking about life and art, creativity, and the dynamics of being a band. I'm talking about Matthew Healy from the 1975. My feelings about the 1975, if you know me or you listen to what I do, are pretty clear. I think they're not only one of the best bands of their generation, they're one of the most influential. They are to some degree the world's first, I can't believe I'm saying this, kind of meta-modern band in the sense they don't mind diving into the infrastructure we exist in, pulling it apart, talking about what's great, talking about what's not, adding some irony and pretension. That's the word that gets kicked around a lot from people who don't necessarily like the 1975. They think they're pretentious, but isn't art to some degree pretentious? Matty is just unafraid to lean into it and you're going to hear that in this conversation right now. One of my favourite conversations of 2022 and one long overdue. Myself and Matthew Healy from the 1975, we cover a lot of ground, it gets deep. All of it on the streets and inside some of the most iconic venues in one of the great music cities on the planet, Manchester. Thanks for checking it out. Here it is. Let's do it in Malibu, you said.
1: (laughs) Remember? Remember? I wanted a bit bit of realism, mate. I'm really glad. It wouldn't be Manchester if it wasn't wasn't pissing it down. It's really
0: good to be back, actually. It's Manchester. It's It's where (laughs) it
1: happens. It's where the good shit comes from, man. But the
0: question is, if what is never happened, or what will be? (laughs) If if is isn't, could (laughs) not fuck off. (laughs) Wow, it's my first time here, you
1: know? The revelation of <laughs> oh,
0: this is a fun room. This is a fun room uh, with the bleachers at tiny. the back.
1: But, but that was like, wow. I saw that as a seated venue. Oh, you can't lose here.
0: It's was amazing, place It's the smell that I always remember when I walk in these places.
1: Did you ever go back to your first primary school?
0: Oh my God, I've driven past it so many times it's, I never
1: had the courage. No, I went into <laughs> For some reason, I went into my old primary school not long ago, and yeah, there's that smell, mm. but it's the scale of it. It's like there's this relative scale where it feels like this is a, um, a set <laughs> of the Deaf Institute,
0: because
1: mm. <laughs> it felt massive yeah. when I played here. Yeah. And now it feels, you know, like a, 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 a faux remake of it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like. If you can imagine what your first gig should feel like, it, it is this place, which is why it's so sick. And you and you realize why so many people who visit Manchester. I heard the story that Wet Leg chose to play here, even though they could have scaled up to three X recently, because they wanted the experience of playing here.
1: So funny that that kind of legacy, because the Deaf Institute, for for us became we became quite late. Like the Deaf Institute was there was there was the Dry Barn, there was a Ruby Lounge, and there was Jabez Clegg, there was the Beer Keller, there was. Academy 3, if you Mm -hmm. could get there. Mm -hmm. Deaf Institute was quite new and cool by the time that we got to play it. The Mm -hmm. reason that Deaf Institute had such a big part in our story was it was the first Manchester 1975 gig where we went from being a band's band to people knowing songs.
0: So from leg up to standing on your own feet. Is what you're saying?
1: It was sound control and then it was here. Yeah. And that was a real thing where, like, the, the idea that a first album was going to happen. <laughs> you'd started playing the record, yeah. basically. Yeah. Not, to, not to, like, big you that. up, but the truth is, we couldn't get arrested. We were trying to go down that route that everybody mm. was trying to go down in the mid, late 2000s of getting a major record deal. Mm. That's what you did. Mm. And we couldn't. <laughs> and then we were like, right, let's start our own label. Which we did over a bowl of pasta, <laughs> with like however much money we had, which was nothing. Yeah. But then you started smashing the city, which became this kind of cult-like hit. I
0: think I played it. I think I might have played it twice in a row. The first time I played it, maybe. I
1: remember the first time it happened because I remember texting Jamie because it, obviously everything that we'd done up until that point we had tried so hard. Yeah. We We'd been trying, man. Yeah. And. Yeah. You know, we tried to get the, these people interested, and I was driving, and I was with like, I remember I was with, I was with a girl. I mm. so would have been, wow, well, what was that? 23 or something? I was driving around in my Clio, and it just came on. Mm. <laughs> 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 Yes, right, you blah, blah, opened blah, the, show blah, blah, I open the show with Zainlo it and it was like Zane Lowe excitement. Right. Oh, beams right. of sunshine coming <laughs> off this one or whatever you were saying. It was that Zane Lowe thing. And I literally pulled the car over. I was like, this is my band. This is me. This is me. That's me. And she was like, and then, and then I text Jamie and he what was like, no, no, no. Are you sure? And I was like, mate, I just listened to it. Yeah. And that was the start of it, really.
0: It just, you know, from my perspective, while we're reflecting, it just. um. I remember the first time it was Alex who played me your music. And I remember, Mm. I remember listening to it and going, it just sounds so ready. And so that work you talk about that you've done, trying so hard, putting in all of that energy into something that you felt wasn't being reciprocated. It was, you were reciprocating it yourself. Because by the time that that song was, was done, no one that was new sounded that
1: like, ready. Well, and that, on purpose. Well, that's where the suspicious came. This, the irony and the suspicion uh, yeah, came yeah, the industry in because, plant. Yeah, the industry plant thing, <laughs> because we were just better. It wasn't subversive to be a band from Manchester that sounded like a band from Manchester, because this is the thing that, this is the weird relationship we had with Manchester now. Mm. Now we're super embraced. I'm mean, glad oh, you're going here because you're not an obvious northern band to this anyone who's not from the north of this England. This is the thing. But now you go on the street, like today is madness. Like so many people coming over. And, and I love it in Manchester because people are so, they, there is this kind of Manchester pride thing. But at the beginning,
0: mm.
1: you had the Buzzcocks, you had the Smiths, you had the Stone Roses, you had Happy Mondays, you had Oasis. You had Doves, you had whatever. The reason that those bands were massive is because they didn't sound like anyone else, and they changed stuff. That's why they were celebrated.
0: And became a Manchester sound after that.
1: So after the, the Oasis, yeah. the Manchester sound had yeah. been so established yeah. that people walking around dressing like Ian Brown in a parka were looking for the next rec- obviously recognisable thing. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit like, well, nah, we're the next Manchester band because we're, we're as new as the, that's truly the f- Smiths talk were. About, yeah,
0: people talk about following in the footsteps of giants or standing on the shoulder of them while we're talking about yeah, Oasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and, and I, think, I think where there's, a, where there's a, a confusion there is people feel like, you know, be influenced by that and, and embellish it ever so slightly. No, what it means is, like, stand in their footsteps for a minute and then take footsteps of your own on that path. go. Well, don't, greatness. like, copy them.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Don't copy yeah. other bands. Because it's been done better. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, all that confusion when we headlined Reading, when I said, Who's Rage Against the Machine? Oh, that was fuck. such a dumb way of phrasing it. I didn't mean it, I phrased it wrong. What I meant was the, listen, I've had this conversation with you. I use Rage as an example of, of, okay. a, of a band that I'm going to bring into context what we're talking about. All right. You can't really do rap rock credibly after Rage Against the Machine because they did it, they invented it, and they ended it. Mm. Bands like Slow Dive, great, mm. but My Bloody Valentine kind of started mm. and ended something, So origi- really. what you're saying
0: is originality was always an essential part of the
1: chemistry of this band. You wanted to be original. Nothing mm. changes culture that isn't new. Nothing. Young people are always at the forefront of cultural change. That's always the idea. Mm-hmm. But that's always because the economy has supported that. There's always been environments for that to happen. Whereas now, young people, if they wanna make art, a lot of them tend to have to make like quite homogenous art, whether it be like the the flat design for the internet startup or the this or the that. It's like there's not many generative, alternative scenes left because- there, it, it, Let's go on, because. Well, there's like four websites now. <laughs> like the internet used to be this like huge utopian, mental free source thing. Now it's four websites. If I, if I wasn't um, encouraged by my surroundings, these places, if I wasn't like in a scene, I'm not calling myself a, senior, a genius. I am not calling myself a genius, but I'm saying- You can't, you're not allowed. Exactly. But seniors yeah. is required for anybody, any, to rise to the top. So when you live in a country like the United Kingdom at this point, you've never
0: left, you've never relocated permanently, you've always come home. Um, and, you, and I lived here for a long time. And again, we, re- we reminisced and reflected a little bit on when I felt that the arts could, fl- could flourish and thrive. That's what we're talking about with regards to bands and art and artists everywhere. Every, where you went, every town, every city, there were people playing all the time. Venues are closing down. People can't afford to do art wholesale. They have to find ways to compromise their art to survive. You live in the UK, this is the reality. This is the reality all over the world. And then you see the government coming in and, and, and especially during quarantine, the news travelled far and wide cutting out the funds for the arts, cutting down the opportunities for the arts. It's
1: because they're Philistines. It's literally because they are Philistines. I'm not being, I'm not being um, terse on purpose. I'm saying that if you are the Minister of Culture, you should be able to fuck, and you should know who Afex Twin is. Because some people are a person, a, and then they hear... Blue by Joni Mitchell, or they hear Bob Dylan, they hear whatever record it is, and they immediately become someone else. Your identity is They are transformed. The yes. Yes. If you've never felt yes. the transformative power of music or art, you're stuck then, in one place. then you're not going <laughs> to give it the reverence that it deserves. These people can't fuck. They don't know. They've got no source. They don't get it. The well, idea. Billy Connolly said, Go your desire me. to be a politician yeah. should disqualify you from being able to be one.
0: <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah. It's, it's a, I, I probably didn't deliver it in the way that he well, did. Well, you've got to laugh in the cheap seats. i laugh in the cheap seats, but that's true. If you want to be a politician, you shouldn't be allowed. You should be forced to do it. That's so true. You should be forced to do it. It's so true. It should be really cool. You should find someone really, really cool yeah. and then be like, listen, we're giving you shitload of money. You're showing
0: real promise here. We need you to go and salvage something.
1: Yeah. We do like, you're sick. Go and, do, go and sort that out. I've always had the feeling, and I'd love you to talk about this,
0: not something as obvious as a, a written plan or a synopsis of what was important or not important, but in your head, I feel like you map it out more than others. Yeah. Just do.
1: Well, I'm... I'm a fan first, so like I, I was obsessed with the culture for a start. Yeah. But also, yeah. I, I, you can think about it like, like there being a plan, but it's considered in the way that a lot of people when they're older, they try and journal and they do it for a little bit and they can't. Yeah. Most people that journal as an adult have been doing it since they were about 12 or 13. Yeah. They don't really know why they do it. It's, just, it's ceremonial. It's part of their day. If they don't do it, yeah, they missing. feel weird, yeah. right? That's the 1975 for me. Mm-hmm. So with journaling, elicits a, a certain amount of self-analysis. Where am I going? What have I been doing? What do, where do I stand in the world? Mm. Now, I've been in the 1975 since I was 13, so 12 isn't a person. So all of my self-analysis has been under the umbrella of what is the 1975. Who is the 1975? So of course, I've projected and placed us in places in my, it, it, like in the, in, you know, or I've been reflective mm. or, or I've, I've thought, yeah, well, this is what it's going to be. But it's because it's my, this is who I am. That's why it was hard when we got like, you know, if you've been in a band for two years and you start at college and a major label comes along and says you're not good enough, it's yeah. like, oh, the band isn't good enough. Yep. If you start a band at 13 and it's your journal and you're 20. You're not interesting enough.
0: You're not good enough. You're not interesting. What you write about yourself and the world that you see is not to our taste. And brutal. And, exactly. And it and I was like, oh. And this is the thing <laughs> yeah, as well. And by the way, that goes, then you go one of two ways. History will tell you they go, all right, lads. I'm going to university.
1: I'm doing something else in my life. Mm -hmm. Or you go, I like how this feels. There's some real fuck you here. Well, Manchester felt safe because what I managed to do was convince Han and Ross's parents to let them go to Manchester and Salford Uni. You did. Yeah, I did. You did. Well. No, this is good. I, I. Tell the story as it is. Okay, I was very much like, trust me. Right because this is the way you've got to think about it. right. This is the way because you know what I'm like. I know I can be like lofty and a bit like pretentious no, this but you is know beautiful. but you know that I'm actually like quite yeah, a solid yeah. down to earth guy. And not guy, just you, know that. I mean? you see it through, bro. Right. I'm I'm not actually like think I I don't yeah, actually yeah, think yeah, I'm meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so what I have to do, right, is separate the words visionary and the word genius always get put next to each other, and they're super complementary words, right? Right. So I'm not going to even consider, let's take the word genius and throw it away. That's not something I would ever regard myself as or want to. But let's just look look at... You're not allowed to, other people get... Exactly. Let's just look at the word visionary and re- remove the complementary element of it and think it of it ob- as an objective thing. Yep. So there's certain people you saw it who can who it, it's just the way some people are maths people. Yeah. Some people some people like see stuff. So it's not like I think about that much of what I'm doing. Yeah. All I'm really trying to do is just get out what I can see. So I'm I'm not a visionary, but it's. It's a, vi- it's me catching up with whatever I'm seeing in my head. You know, I'm mean? very much a daydreamer. And I think that so, I think that I was saying to them, like, listen, I've got this thing in my head and I know that this suit doesn't agree with it and I know that this person doesn't agree with it, yep. but trust me, I'm younger than them and culture's turning. I was very into this idea of like. This is in a living room with two parents. This is like a actual hangout. Uh, no, well, this I'm is. I'm going to explain the situation. This to is over you. a period of time as well, sure, because sure. like I'd, I'd, um, we we, 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 you know, by the time we got to 18. I'm we, only
0: being granular
1: because no this, no, is, no, this is this should be a scene in the film one day. This
0: okay. is actually quite a pivotal moment well, well, it, in the story of is, the band.
1: It is because we were. Because we'd been doing it since we were thirteen, and we'd been like dedicated to it since we were thirteen. By the time we got to like nineteen, and we were still like just like delivering Chinese and stuff like that. Yeah. Our some parents were a bit like, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah. I was like, "Let's convince everyone that we should stay here, so we can keep doing our thing," and we did, Um, and we kept kind of just like playing and doing shows. And it wasn't really going anywhere. Jamie, our manager, was was putting us on 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 tours with, with bands and we were getting like a little bit of a following. Like who, who'd you tour with? Tour with those? Little Comets. Yeah, I remember. toured yep. with Little Comets, we toured with One Night Only. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Was it like yesterday when you played here? Does it feel like that? I know it's a weird a weird question. You gotta remember this is like it's like you've got the early two thousands, you've got the iPhone, you've got the front camera on the iPhone yeah. coming out. Yeah. So stuff like the the synthesis of technology and social media and Tumblr and the emergence of all these things. So up there on that balcony, somebody had obviously got what is the new iPhone. Right. Horizontal, filmed the filmed whole it. set, put it on YouTube. Right. Now that had never Never happened to so me. The, and so it's up there still? It's still up there. Amazing. We were just referencing it as a shot. And it's come, there we are, that's the shot. And Crazy. it was just me playing here, like that, and I'm here. Han's here, <laughs> Ross is there, and George is here. And um, and somebody played the whole set, and it still exists. Did you notice the camera at the time when you were on stage? Do you no, remember? No, no. This room was, this room was like electric that night. Like yeah. it was, it was a real thing as well, because also, we were playing stuff off our forthcoming album that yeah. like wasn't out. out and like that was like a real, and like I said, YouTube is quite a new phenomena in the way that people were, were discovering stuff. Mm. So um, we kind of, we really came through and were part of all of those big fluxes that happened culturally across the generation. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah.
0: transformative. New things were meeting hands and being used. Technology and art were truly combining. And it was a transformative era. And I think about timing a lot. And I wonder if you do. And I wonder if someone who ultimately grew up in, in that, well, you're a, you're a Hacienda baby. Mm. You were born at the end of the 80s. So you were born into Manchester. Mm.
1: Real when, Manchester.
0: When all that crazy culture and amazing shit, yeah. the experience of art yeah. was going on. And you, no one could film it. Most of it. Is not captured. Exactly. And then obviously you lived through the 90s as a kid.
1: And it was a witness to Brit Pop and a witness to all. And tabloid culture in a house where tabloid
0: culture affected the dynamic of your family.
1: Yeah, yeah, massively. Let's talk
0: about that for a second because your relationship with attention is, I've always felt it's a bit love-hate. It's a little bit like, I love it but I hate it, I love it, but I hate it. Yeah. It swings on a dime. Yeah. And I wonder whether some of that traces back to this kind of, I mean, the tabloid culture in the 90s for kids who are too young to know, and most of you watching this will be, was
1: yeah. biblical. Yeah, yeah, beyond what you would you would see nowadays. Biblical, it's industry
0: yeah. now. Back then it was just straight fucking street terror. It seemed to me what was fascinating was that on paper you had all the ingredients, you, had, you came from a family that was already known by the tabloids, yet you were doing something different. You know, you can read the headline right now. It's like, you know, um, Denise Welch has done bad boy, pop star, rock star, right. off-rails, blah, blah, yada, right. yada. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. perfect because it brings your family back into the swirl yeah, that yeah, they're out yeah. of. They made it out. Yeah. Now they're back in. You brought them back
1: in. I think the truth is, though, is that quality over anything always, the truth kind of always out. So the fact of is that the 1975, how good we were, yep. how definitive we were becoming in a culture at that time, was so much bigger than than those ideas. Yeah, yeah. That the 1975 took off way before they could be like, he's whose son or what. Yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah, it was it yeah, was a yeah. completely different thing. No, it was
0: almost like a like gotcha. It was almost like this king of credibility, as far as the, their fans are concerned, comes from this other background, and everyone was like, well, we're a new generation, we don't understand this. Painting that you're trying to present, yeah, to
1: exactly. And also, to be honest with you, if you can draw me a clean line from how your mum knowing Curly Watts to having a number one album in America, like I, don't, I don't. You really, don't
0: need. I don't really know how that works. But it's 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 culture. They're, they're not they looking for a clean line. They're no, no, for no, 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 for sure. A like ragged I line. Just,
1: But this is the thing. That, and then you know what happens now is like there's this whole. Um, I made a joke that I drew the um, short straw in the, at the nepotism baby nursery. Uh, because there's so many like famous kids out there, the nepotism baby concept is interesting, there isn't it? Because it seems to be something that people talk about when they're a little bit jealous it's socially fine. of what it's it is. Fine. No, 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 no it's one not. cares anymore. No, what I'm saying is right. I grew up. Kardashian's changed everything. Well, let's. I'm not getting into that. Love, love everyone. Um, People grow up in cultures, right? right? I grew up around artists. So when I was a kid, I was like, right, what does he do for job? Right, he's an art, he makes art. What does he do? He's an actor, right? Okay. You just subconsciously take it in. If you grow up in a family of doctors, yeah. there's not many nepotism doctors. Right, <laughs> right. Well, that we know there's about. Dads, if you, A lot of the time, if your dad's a doctor, you're a doctor right. because you grow up in the culture well, yeah, doc- Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Do you know what I mean? You, so you. it's like, that happens across the board. Same it's page. not just, so I grew up in art. Right. So... I made ah, it's it's not it's not like that complicated. What I became a witness to when I was a young person, what you were talking about in the kind of fucking in this in the brutal landscape of the tabloid media was people maintaining personas, mediating this, mediating that, negotiating with this person, negotiating with that person. By the time I got famous, I was already bored, mate. Like my mum had like one bit celebrity big brother, like, like, like I'd, I'd seen fame in every single form. So what started happening was I started getting interviewed and then I started getting known for my interviews. But the only reason for that was, was because I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this now, I, I'm just going to have to ha- make it conversations and not lie accept that I'm going to say things that I'll want to apologize for, yeah. make mistakes in public. Live like, in the moment. Just be real. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck in your I, own here. I'll go mental. You'll go crazy. Because if I tried to maintain, I don't even know who I am. Yeah. So if I tried to construct a version of who I am yeah. and then maintain that. Yeah. Every question is a nightmare. Every question is a nightmare. Like, I, 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 I would then, be terrified. Look, I'm surprised. You know, I, the last
0: t- one of the last times I spoke to you when quarantine kicked off, you were like, I'm not going to do this again. Mm. And, you didn't, and you didn't draw a distinction between me and you or you and a few other people that you will talk to. You were like, I'm not going to do this again. Mm. And then you were like, I'm going to go do drive like I do. And I just felt like you were searching almost for a reset.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was, or, or I was searching to solidify what this feeling of resetting was that was happening to me by proxy because of mm. what had happened now the thing is with covid it didn't have as, as much as it had an effect on me in the way that it had an effect on everybody we've put out an album just by nature and the way that it's flowed every two years and we put out a record in 2020 and we're putting out a record in 2022 going into the studio during the pandemic there was no better place to go mm. so We've not. I wasn't artistically um, that interested in the pandemic, but I also wasn't. It, it didn't. It didn't define a lot of stuff. Apart from the fact that we weren't on tour yeah. whilst we were making stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that what I was looking for, which I looked for for ages, was basically every record that we'd made up until being funny was had its moments of strife and, and difficulty, but it just, it was obvious what it was. So as, as soon as we made the first record, the, let's say, I don't this vision thing again, what I like it when you sleep was, although it, it was difficult to grasp at, it was kind of obvious. A brief inquiry, it was obvious where we were going to go. Even though Notes was mad, we knew where we were going. You lived, there was a breadcrumb trail trial that you it, was, yeah, That's right. After Notes, It just kind of really opened up, and we didn't. We were lost. (laughs) We and and then we and basically every time we've made music, the only thing we've been doing is being loving it, being excited, or being like really turned on by it. And there was a point where I think me and George admit that we'd kind of just been making like notes part two, but we're going to pause here because I actually want to dive into this in detail
0: okay. at night and day. Okay. So I want to get out to Manchester, so okay. I want to get a little more time Let's, out there. Let's go for
1: a walk around yeah. Manchester. Yeah. Barca, which is still here, this bar and then Duke's next door, that was like a real scene in like 2000, 2000 well, maybe 19, well, 98, 99, you know, you had, what was like Sweet Female Attitude, Wookie yeah. and Lane, yeah. like, and all this kind of like, and then the, all the pop, the pop garage stuff. And I would go to these kind of like, or I would meander from there mm. down to here and find these like daytime raves with like Sunship playing and like I don't you're wanna a, like, I don't wanna like um, no, but you're over are it. That's okay, it,
0: you're a kid. I'm trying to figure out the timeline. You are literally a kid. And so your eyes are like, your aperture is opening in real time.
1: Well, I was always so obsessed with like music. And the thing is with like, Dance music that used to excite me was it was almost like um in it would excite me in the way that like t v post watershed would excite me right because in the u k yeah the radio after eight o'clock nine o'clock yeah. goes to dance music yeah. it goes to this kind of music, so it felt like adult music right, and then you would I would be young and i 'd be in in some the back of someone's car, you know, a teenager's car, and they're listening to some kind of like hard, hard like garage kind of thing. I was always very excited by electronic music in, um, as, I was gr- as I was growing up in the, in the 90s. Mm. So then when I moved here and I lived over there, this was actually a proper scene, which I didn't really reflect on, I think, I, until I was a little bit older, but I would be in these, you know, as a kid, I'd be like giving it in these daytime raves um, just around here, and I kind of it. For, to me, it's <laughs> it's like really beautiful. I know it's not, but this is the no, thing. I think It is. You, I saw you talking to um Billie Eilish about the neighborhood, right? Mm. And that show that she was talking about, we we opened for, and we used. To, I talked to the neighborhood a lot, and we both did this. We're doing this like miserableism, black and white thing at the same time, right? And it was funny because like maybe there's such different bands because no, this, not, but think about yeah, it go, 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 go. what i'm saying is musically yeah we went like optimistic we need to get out of this and they went
0: exactly what and to say.
1: they went <laughs> this <laughs> is we're too from sh- the valley yeah. it's sunny all the time it's like getting and, yeah. beaten over the head with a a, a you know a, yeah. a, a rainbow they created a
0: banal suburban morose environment from what is considered glamour exactly and you painted the prettiest, sunniest picture from inside all exactly. of this industry.
1: That's what I was trying to do. And I'm not trying to claim Manchester too much, because also like where we're from in Cheshire, the, the countryside, like where I eventually moved to, is a big part of the 1975. That's where you move in to drive like I do, and right, the right, kind right. of birth of that. Right. But this was when I, my, because I was Emo brought, punk from pretty places. Right. Emo punk from pretty places. Emo punk from pretty places. but there's a lot of country on the new record and I always reference yeah, that funny meme where it's like emo is, I'm gonna live and die in this town, sm- sad sm- face. Yep. And country is, I'm gonna live and die in this town, happy, happy face, face. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. And I think that <laughs> I'm gonna live and die in this town, happy face, I relate, I relate to both. Well, I was gonna ask you this, and this is a nice, nice
0: place to sort of get to on, on this part of our Manchester trip, um, home. The idea of home. Now, I've I've tried to get inside that conversation with artists my whole life because I think when you travel and when you know you search for inspiration, the idea of what is home is 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 distorted and twisted for a, a big part of your life. But you brought us back to a place at a point in your life, you know, going into your mid thirties, the band is perpetual, art is now your life, and you've decided to come back here. Was this a, a, a reflective decision to come back here? What part of your journey did you want to trace? to and bring us here to tell us about
1: really it's my favorite place to write and what i mean by write is walk around and essentially write lyrics and there's with that now there comes an element of nostalgia i think it's the purity that i'm trying to hold on to because we started this at like 13 and there's something like magical about it that none of us can really bottle or contain or commodify. And I think that as you get bigger, you get presented opportunities to like do that. I mean, the analogy is probably best to like the camera. Like if, I, if we're at a party, like if we're, at, if we're at a bar and I'm talking to you and we're talking like this, but every couple of seconds I'm kind of just like, I'm listening to you, but I'm looking over here, I'm looking over here. Eventually, you're just going to be like, go over there, right? You're going to be like, go over there, because you, I'll go and find another favorite band. Yeah, Decentrist has a of You know what I mean? And it's, like, <laughs> it's, so, just, it's And an if hourglass. over there is like money <laughs> yeah. or getting bigger, or like, you know, if you're ever doing anything creative for money, it's not the right thing. And I think that this place, not this place reminds me that like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like from a council estate in Salford, but like walking around Manchester has been like- Formative. Formative for me. And I think that it's- That's huge. It's still still really, really, it still really, really resonates with me. And because we've had an interesting relationship with Manchester and we've become, later in our career, we've become more of a Manchester band.
0: I mean, there is just something about the canal system. I remember when I first moved to the UK, I'd never seen anything like this, you know, a canal system. And the boats were almost like, is that like a theme park ride? Right? Like, you actually, like, do people live on those? Like, yeah, yeah right. dude, that's industry.
1: Mm, it's industry. I need to avoid this mud.
0: Well, I'm the one in it's white, it's singing in the rain. I'm the one. the
1: <laughs> Where did the country thing come from, by the way? The country thing comes from being from the north of England because. I really resonate with, I've spent a lot of time in America and the South of America is very similar in ways to the North of England. It's underfunded. It has its own folk music. It has its own language. It has its own kind of political beliefs. Do you know what I mean? And there, I also, so I grew up in the Northeast and then moved to the Northwest. Now the Northeast has a lot of, folk music, and what the north of England has is a lot of politics, it has a lot of history, it has a a lineage of all those kind of things, and I think that country music comes from the same thing.
0: So you're, you're, you're creating a direct connection between someone who's writing country music and a Richard Thompson. You think that that's almost England's country.
1: Yeah. If you take out like the obvious black influences that are in 75's music, it's country music. Look at, like, um, well, especially mute songs like Be My Mistake, but even like It's Not Living If It's Not With You. Sure, we do it like kind of psychedelic, furzy, like uh, post punk, but (laughs) it's, if I play that on the acoustic guitar, that's a country song, you know? It's so weird,
0: I love it. It's so weird, because you've got, you, you. it's so true, like, if you really dive into this stuff and, and get inside the granular nature of, of your influences, you flip so quickly from Paul Simon, from Graceland to Mirror
1: Moves. Yeah,
0: yeah. From Mirror Moves over to like, like you say, something that's like very folk-driven, almost in the drake thing.
1: But it's music. It's yeah. like, it's, it's the, the genre is kind of the, um, is almost like, is so surface to me because it's, it, it's eight notes like it's eight notes it's 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 like and you can do whatever you want with them but at the end of the day it's like it's like shiny stuff like if it's a beautiful melody i like it i don't care if it comes from the right hand of miles davis or the left tweeter of aphex twin or it doesn't matter it's yeah. it's music and like i'm not interested in i'm not particularly interested in like cultural sensitivity i'm interested in authenticity so there's certain things that I wouldn't do just because it wouldn't be authentic. As much as it's, I make the joke that the guys would hate the idea that there's not much separation between them and us, but there isn't, because if you start a band at 17, 18, you've got a leather jacket, you've got a bird that mm-hmm. you like, you've got a favorite record, you've got a, you've got a cultural identity. If you start at 13, you don't have that. So yeah. because every, Film or band or a political or social event that's happened has happened to the four of us at the same time in the same room. It's kind of meant that we've become not necessarily codependent, but just like symbiotic. You know, we're, we're very much four parts of one thing. Mm. That's why we still like we hang out, <laughs> like we don't, we don't, it's not fake. Do you know what I mean? Like we are, we're best mates, we don't get together. To do the 1975.
0: Did you ever feel that forces were conspiring, whether they meant to or not, to separate you? And let me qualify that in the sense that when you started to actually make some noise, in particular focusing on America, because here I think is a place where bands, there's a real desire to, to, to break out as a group. That cut that gang mentality, right? I mean, yeah. we're about to go to a building where the Mondays rehearsed, Joy Division rehearsed, you rehearsed, right? But in, a, in America, in particular, when something becomes successful. It becomes brand, it becomes a brand. Yeah. And people are looking for the most easy to market situation. Yeah. And that's you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Did that ever happen? Did that feel like you were being pulled in any direction at any given point,
1: even just by by the circumstances rather than by, you know, any clandestine force? No, because it feeds into that thing that we were talking about before, where you said that for some reason it feels like whatever I'm doing has its own direction that is going a certain direction. Right. So, for example, what that also meant is that I kind of understood what a frontman was.
0: Right, 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 right. I understood
1: right. what. I understood that, like, the difference between a democracy and an autocracy. Not that an autocracy is a bad thing, but I don't want dire straits. I don't want Pink Floyd. Honestly, I want, like, you two. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, where they're. It's kind of. It's this, it's this sharing thing. And also, like, the truth of it is, like, you know, like The Lost Boys in Peter Pan, it varies. it's only in 80s movies where people go like, they're like, like four 13 year olds, spit in their hands, they put it in the middle and they go, we're gonna stay together forever. Do you know what I mean? It's this like idealistic, ridiculous thing. When that starts becoming a reality, then you're kind of getting away with murder and, <laughs> you, and, and then you're just, Having, having, having fun. And I remember in one of our early in- interviews, like 10 years ago, I said like, I think what we are doing is like, we're in the pursuit of excellence, which sounded really lofty. But what I really meant is like, we don't really have any other pursuits left. We've pursued getting big. We've pursued signing to a major. And the thing that actually worked was when we just didn't care, and we'd been together for 10 years, and we now own our own label.
0: Yeah, I just, I just think you built, you built a world for yourselves and no one could take away. I mean, whether you realize it or not, by necessity, because the major label didn't sign you, all right, let's begin by actually building our own, our own fortress wall, right? Then what we put inside it, well, over time, that's up to you. No one can get inside your wall. I want to talk about this place, man, because look at this place, by the way. This is like, I mean, first of all, I'm just really glad it
1: hasn't been knocked down. Well, my right. friend has bought it, so it's not getting knocked down. That's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> that is like. Stealth wealth, much? So, Marlsborough. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Marlsborough House. How important is that doorway? Yeah, man? right? That what? doorway. I take a picture of that door every time I come back. Yeah. Every time I come back, I take a picture of I it. I gotta take a picture of it right now. <laughs> I'm serious. And it's so miserable. It's like. But if that's what's
0: cool about it is it has a sense of once you go in there there's nothing else that matters.
1: Of course, and of course we all understand where like that there's beauty and brutalism and like you know, we can understand like architecture from that perspective, but there's like a miserabilism here. Well it's that black door really is kind of such an important well. I, I can't really put myself next to, like, uh, Joy Division or those kind of bands. Did you rehearse there? We rehearsed so, there. Did,
0: so did they. So there's a line Okay, there.
1: so they rehearsed there. At the time that we were rehearsing there, It we, down there, it was us, Everything Everything, Delphic and the Answering Machine. That was very much what was happening in Manchester at the <laughs> amazing. time. amazing. And um, it was all downstairs in here. Sean Ryder came uh, numerous times and nicked the PA and sold it. I'd say that this is one of the most important buildings in kind of, in kind of music history, because every band that's from Manchester is, has, been, has been in there. By l- the l- way, in case anybody's worrying,
0: I can see where this is going already. Everyone's going to be like, could have fucking, could have shared your umbrella,
1: Matty. What, what
0: the fuck? I'm he's trying my best. He's trying and I'm like, I got a hoodie, don't worry about me. I'm trying me. my best. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make sure I preserve your integrity here.
1: So right where this van is parked here, yeah, this is where I wrote the lyrics to the city. I was sat here in the van. We were playing dry bar, so we were playing dry bar, and I was parked here in the van that we bought from the Christian Swimming Club. And I wrote the city in this space, which is a loading only now, but it definitely wasn't because I've never been that and subversive. So, and, and so, what else do you remember about that experience? Like- I remember. I remember don't call it a spade if it isn't a spade and starting to I remember that I was basically I wrote chocolate and then people started to listen Mm. And then I was like ah instead of just rhyming I'm gonna have to do words as well Yeah 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 Because chocolate is literally just me rhyming I know but but you're right the city was witty The city was witty nice little bit nice little wordplay but that's the first time that I started thinking ah Maybe my currency is in telling the truth the truth through like being a bit funny I think that if you're constantly earnest, it's boring. You're the boy who cried wolf. Like right. the fact that, so when I'm earnest, people believe me, because they're like, oh God, he's like said that. So what's the, the most, po- what's the, and this
0: is a tough one. I'm tell
1: nervous. me I lo- tell me you love me, because that's all I need to hear. The most earnest. Without talking about my dick. The mo- <laughs> like that kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Now this is the without most important. Ruining it. This is the most important one for me. So this is Affleck's Palace. This is where, <laughs> it all, this is a new thing. Again, this is very different. This used to be like a crazy, bizarre, you know I mean? um, I like a crazy, crazy bizarre. But, so you used to come in here, yeah. this used to be a t-shirt shop, Yeah. but up on this wall was like, I've played MSG, I've, you know what? This, this is The stuff I've done. This moment for me, this walking around this corner, was the moment because it was Stone Roses, it was Joy Division, it was all that. And one time when I was about twenty-five, I came back to Affleck's Palace and I came around the corner, and there it is. Dude, it's, it's good and that po- was the best moment. It's a good positioning too, bro. It's the too, best bro. moment of my career. That was the best moment of my career. What year was this? What had you done? Well, well this, you would this, this is 2013. Wow. So, like, you know, that one there, that one there. But that was the, that was when I was like, okay, you've got hacienda, you've got Smith, you've got seventy five. I was like, that's that's what I'm happy with. The councillor trying to shut down the night and day for a noise complaint. Yeah, and it's and been it's, there for thirty plus years. It's been It's like moving to Leicester Square and then complaining about there being too many cinemas. Yeah, yeah. It's been nice today, you know, mm. for me to be back here. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I spent formative years of my life in the UK. I love the UK. You know, it's been really nice just to kind of see you walk the streets here and be appreciated. And it hasn't always been that way. You've taken your fair amount of
1: shots. Oh yeah, yeah, for real. Um, but you know, the truth will always out. It's weird doing this with you, man. You know, like I came kind of after John Peel. Like you were the tastemaker for my for my generation. Mm. So to, like, be reflective and walk around and talk about me, like, yeah, it's great, it's great but it's all part of one thing. It's, it's, um, it, it's been nice for me as well. I mean, I came back quite a lot when I was writing, being funny, when I was, um, was finalising lyrics. I spent a lot of time walking around. If you don't have a whole camera crew, you don't draw as much attention.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but... um. <laughs> But still... Different time to... as
0: well. I think everybody was pretty focused on the micro then.
1: Mm. Um,
0: that was a real indication to me that things are getting back to whatever the new normal is, the fact that people aren't just looking straight ahead mm. or in their own direction. They're actually willing to notice somebody else across the street. Oh, that's Matthew Healy.
1: Mm. And then not, not thinking about the kind of... Oh, do I go say weird social boundaries. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That's what I mean. It's been really nice to kind of see the whole human experience happen. But it makes it makes total sense, and I think that the reflection of your lyrics drawing people back toward you, it, 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 it's all with purpose. You've written an album that is inclusive and it's, it's self-reflective in a very honest way. I feel like in a weird way, this is my observation of your words at this point in your life is that before you've been writing inside the room yeah. trying to reflect what it feels like to be one of that crowd, yeah. this album feels to me like you're actually, and you're still doing that, but you're looking more back at the crowd and seeing how it affects people in a different way.
1: If you look at like our show, mm. like our last show, it's like a like an Adam Curtis documentary. It's like like words mm. and I'm at the front and I'm telling you and there's this 22 track record and it's a big like construct. And every and, like, movement felt a little
0: existential.
1: Yeah, existential but quite deliberate. Yeah. This record we wanted to let people be a witness to something a bit more. So the last album was going to see Transformers at the IMAX. This is like going to see a play that maybe you'll be like, should I go to the bathroom right now? It's maybe a bit awkward. It makes total sense now because as soon
0: as the piano comes in, which is obviously the LCD reference, the All My Friends reference, which is, I know, very knowing and it's beautiful and no one's going to ever hate on that sound. So it comes in, it almost does feel
1: like the house lights have just gone down and that's Um, the first thing you get. It is very much like that. It starts and it ends and it happens. You know, people ask me quite often, what is it about the 1975, or why are the 1975 still big, or why are they still relevant, or why people are asking? It's it's hard for you to qualify. It's hard for me to qualify, but if you ask me that question, I think, well, if you just subtract us from band and put us next to Taylor, Lana... Kendrick, Frank. I'm pushing it a little bit, but like, you know, like, let's <laughs> say, put it in that. No one is asking questions about why they're still interested. Is why because people... you're a band? Yeah, it's because we're just four dudes with guitars, and for, for up nearly a hundred years, no, since like you know, eighty years, we've known what that is. We've known how long they last. Yeah. We've known that they come from a scene. Yeah. We know that the scene dies. We know that something else. Yeah, but it's different with you.
0: You are a band on paper, but the way that you create, the way that you change and shape-shift and adapt to the times and reflect the times, you almost move as a four person solo
1: artist in that regard. Well, because, because a band is completely, for us, it's... Like com- you're a weird band. Yeah, but it's because it's arbitrary. The band thing is, we're a weird band. I'm not a weird artist.
0: No. I actually think you're a very honest, pretty transparent
1: I think it's pretty kind of, I think it's quite postmodern and meta and all these things, but we're all smart enough to understand that. It's like, but as a band, it's like, we're not like bands because bands sound like things and, and we just happen to be four dudes who play recognisable instruments. Um, that at The core of it is friendship, man. I mean, the yeah. reason
0: bands break up is because the relationship gives way. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things pushing and pulling at that, but friendship, if it's strong, we'll always see it through. I, I really don't ever get a feeling that you guys have actually ever had your backs against the wall in terms of your friendship, ever. No. Now, that is rare. That's that very has very to rare. be acknowledged.
1: Yeah, and that's not something I can I mean, particularly comment on or take credit for. Like, we hang out. Like, we're best mates. It's like, like I said, it's not that... So wait, are you saying you split everything fairly as a band? We have done up until this album. Mm -hmm. And then the guys changed it. Yeah. So... And we're totally open to talk about everything. So it's always been known that me and George are predominantly the main songwriters, yes. but we've essentially split all of the songwriting money equally. Amazing. Up and up until being funny, because it's not just about my ability to write songs. It's the environment that is nurtured for me to do that. So like if there was ego or resentment or Anything else going on, I wouldn't be able to do my job in the 1975. I have to
0: also qualify what you're saying because anybody who's still stuck on that comment about I don't do things for money, which was in the New York Times Mm -hmm. recently, which is a great piece, by the way, Joe. But um, anything that was, anyone who takes anything from that, you don't split your writing percentages evenly if you're if you' If you're bullshitting, like that yeah. is a serious line of the sand, and it has
1: been before anybody questioned that and what happened was That's basically rare by the way well and then as an example of how mature our relationship has got is that we never spoke about that. We never said why we were doing that. It's just what we were going to do. We'd lived, we'd, we'd we'd, we'd slept on each, literally slept on each other's laps for 10 years. And what, I'm going to take more money than Ross? Because
0: it's working out. Because I'm,
1: because I... Yeah, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Why would I do that? It's my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also like, you know, like when there's four of you and two people start saying, you go like, (laughs) whatever. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if there was four of them and it was just me and Ross. Yeah. Ross would be ready regardless of what. What was the story at Glastonbury? (laughs) Some guy had started So your
0: first ever Glastonbury. So first
1: ever Glastonbury and somebody was like throwing cans and you know, someone's drunk or whatever. But then this one guy started standing on cans and turning them into like ninja death stars. And he's throwing these things at my head. Yeah, that's fucked up. Anyway, Ross catches him doing it. By the time I noticed, Ross had lobbed himself over the barrier and was now scrapping with this guy. Now, this isn't to say, oh, we're lads from Manchester and we like a fat. We're not fine. We're not. But we're you, soft are, lads from, you are a little bit. We are bit. a bit, but we're soft lads from Cheshire who love art, really, is what we are. But, <laughs> but the truth is, is that we bound together and we, like, it sounds silly, like, we would die for... Like, if someone, like, pulled a gun... It would be who gets in the way first. Do you know what I mean? We're not like, there's nothing. God, I almost makes to be a bit sad. Like, the, the, there's nothing else like that in my life. Got a bit emotional then.
0: Eh? Oh, it's nice to recognize that. I don't
1: have, um. I don't have anything like, <clears throat> else like that in my life.
0: Thank God you have that in your life. You know, I, I think about, what you must have been going through in the moment when you were ultimately most distracted from your emotions and, and searching for anything else but the reality, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Really tough time for you. Mm-hmm. We've never spoken about it. I've always mm-hmm. given you a wide berth on it. But um, we're talking about friendship and trust and people being there for each other. How important was their support in that time when you were um, going through your issue with drugs?
1: So. The heroin thing was a problem because it was the first time where there had been any thing that one of us was doing or was into that the others weren't. Could come between. Yeah, so they weren't into that. They weren't attracted to that. For some reason, I was. And so it was the first time I had to like tell them something so it was the first time that the idea of a secret existing even came out that's huge so it's almost as if like okay well is there anything else that we've not known like that you because that's a big thing yeah for there's diligence
0: no- you have to do before you can focus on yeah. the issue for sure
1: i mean listen the story goes the famous story goes is that we are in conway We were trying to make a brief inquiry, and I basically. The guys kind of called me out one night at dinner, and they were like, Listen, dude, like, you know that we know what's up. Like, we don't think you're in the right place to be making a record. And to be honest with you, it's kind of bumming us out, like, being in a studio with you, like, strung out, because this isn't what we do, you know? It's not you at your best, and all this kind of thing. And I think I ended up saying something like, Well, you know what? Fucking. I've got you. Got it, it's it's hard to be me. If you want me, this is me. That's how I cope. Everyone's gonna have to deal with this shit. i never. It never gets to like fuck you or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. no, you need to. Re- <laughs> you need to respect my drug addiction. <laughs> mm. And um, I woke up the next morning almost like with an emotional hangover, and I was like, oh my god! Not only was that the wrong thing to say, that was so cringe, like because I know that they will get over that but that's going to be an anecdote that they'll take the piss out of me for years for that's the first thing I need to think about but the thing that I learned is that when you get to rehab often you meet a selection of people who have lost everything Yeah. and losing everything has elicited this desire to change their life now when I got to rehab I realised I'd not lost anything I'd nearly lost the respect of everybody I loved but I hadn't Hadn't lost my career.
0: Hadn't lost your position. Hadn't lost uh, my possessions. Family. Hadn't
1: lost my money. Mm-hmm. I was just walking a very, very thin line. I think that I was lucky enough yeah. in my um, condition, in the way that I am as a person, to recognize that w- what needed to be done, needed to be done. And also, what when I was doing heroin, I was really scared about people finding out about it. Not because of the moral outcry, because I didn't want to be a cliche. And you know why else? Because I didn't want to do a sober record. I didn't want people to think. Because basically, Mm. when I made a brief inquiry, I was like, okay, I can take ownership of this narrative if people had found out, I wouldn't have been able to take ownership of Your earlier.
0: fear was, I can't shake this now. And by doing it the way you did it and then facing it down the way you've done it, even today, having the courtesy to answer the question and when you've been asked it before, it's kind of, it, it doesn't fall into that hole of, oh, he's just a fucking recovering drug guy who's trying to get back to his greatness. It's like, it was a t- temporary thing, move on.
1: Yeah, and also it's kind of like, like anything I don't stay in many places for a long time. Yeah. And I go through lots of phases and the junkie phase yeah. was a kind of phase of mine. Yeah. I'm always gonna have an issue with substances, but I do a lot of stuff that I would do in place of drugs that I now do that I prefer drug to, like to jujitsu. Yeah. Being in the gym. Yeah. Um like, I know that sounds like quite arbitrary, but to be honest with you, like... That's really common. Being... As the 1975 has, has gotten, let's say, bigger, the, the world has gotten smaller. And what you see really is the work of me, Jamie, Ed, Sam... Me, Jamie O'Bourne, Ed, the band, yep. Jamie O'Bourne, Ed Blow, Samuel Johnson, and Patricia Villa. How do I say your second name?
0: Villarilio.
1: I mean, Villarilio. Patricia Villarilio. I mean, you. That was you, the most patient answer. answer of the day, did you hear that? Yeah, the most patient answer. You can actually hear her go... <sighs> yeah, because she's Before. my best friend of like <laughs> seven years. Exactly. She's like my best friend of it's like six years. I, I love don't it. know her name. I, I just it. don't know what it is. It's I pie. mean, if it
0: wasn't charming, right? You wanna just fucking...
1: Creative director is me and Patty. you've got Jamie and Ed who are the editors and the runners of everything. So it's like the team is so small, so I have so much to do. I have so much physically to do that also being able to do it without clinging on feels really good. Like being able, do you know what I mean? Like when you you get past 10 press-ups to 50, the knowledge that you can do 50 It's just a good feeling. Yeah. So like, I have the ability to like, to do stuff a bit better now. Like, I think that everything I did was in, I mean, I'm 33, I'm not old, but like everything I did was completely in the like, the bloom of pure youth. Do you know what I mean? The way I moved, the way I-, I, and, you I we- and you wore it and still wear it really
0: well. But I think I can speak for everybody, everybody. Everyone you just mentioned, all the fans, everybody, want to say that if you had ended up not going to rehab, and by the way, you talked about walking a fine line. It's pretty common knowledge that that fine line goes more often than not down a fucking hill. Yeah. Somehow you didn't roll down a fucking
1: hill. God, that would have sucked. That's can the- you fucking imagine what would have happened yeah. if that promise had been fucking... Yeah, bl- I can imagine what would have happened. I just... I just- it would have sucked. It would have fucking it sucked. Well, fucking it would have fucking sucked, man. And also, it just—it's just such a waste, all that kind of shit as well. Because also, it's like I actually much prefer me now at this age than I did before because I think I was having a bit of an identity crisis because I was like, I wanted to be a serious writer, but I was like 26.
0: Yeah, so you you, 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 you can't be tool- a serious anything. You don't have the tools
1: yet. Yeah, and by the you, way, that goes for everybody. yeah It gets better. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like,
0: I'm old. That's I, okay. I, I it's really this, good now. I'm I like old. really like myself now.
1: Like, totally. for a lot of my
0: 20s and 30s, I fucking hated myself. Yeah,
1: you do. And that's what it's for. <laughs> And you you do 90 things wrong in your 20s and you get three of them right and you focus on those. And I think that... Are you man? There's a lyric. Oh, shit, there's a lyric. What, that was? You say it outright. You say, I apologize for my 20s. I was figuring it out. Uh, yeah, what is it? I apologize for... My- I'm sorry about my 20s. I was learning the ropes. Yeah. I had a... Tendency of thinking about it after I spoke. Which it's is very a great
0: lyric. It's by very the way. true. I have a tendency
1: of thinking about it after I spoke. Exactly, but that's what you do, Classic especially if you. Classic
0: Matthew Healy. Well, if
1: you put me who's like trying to figure out who I am on a camera and be like, what do you think? It's like, what do I think? Yeah, but what's awesome is you haven't changed. Like most people get so sick of second guessing themselves in the wake
0: of analysis that you either button up or disappear. You're sitting here and we're just like wide open. And that's what I love about it is like you've committed. You're like, I can't write this unless I live it. There are some constants through your writing and certainly in in the sonic, Landscape of seventy-five albums, which is this yearning mm. for affection, mm. Mm. connection, and, yeah, connection, and, and all that comes with it: mm-hmm. um, hope, disappointment, love, heartache. Boys, girls, love, lust, smoking, smoking, drinking, posturing. The real thing. Yeah. It's all there, but this is the album for the first time that I heard you give into it in a in a pretty overt way. Like you've always painted this picture about what yeah. relationships are, yeah. But you are you just like I'm in love with you.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Tell me you love me. That's what I that's what, that's what I need to hear. Took me a long. I'm just I'm only really safe when we're together. God, when you say it like as kind of almost prosaic as that, maybe that's the thing that I've always tried to avoid. It, It comes slightly from me and me growing up. It comes from two things. Doesn't
0: it come from being in love?
1: It does come from being in love, but it comes from different experiences of being in love. And it also comes from Han and George being sat at the desk and me doing the typical 1975 thing where we have this beautiful sugar pop thing that we know is so glorious. And I'm trying to go, I'm not in love with you. I'm trying to debase the sentiment Mm. to the point that Han cuts the thing and goes, dude, Say say it. Write a song about, I love you. You've written enough songs about how you don't like this or this is what you discover. If you're impelled to write a song about this, be in the moment. That's
0: always the quiet ones,
1: eh? Right? And I think that this whole, I've been talking about sincerity is scary for a long time and it's a lot easier to be ironic in the face and instead of being, um, sincere. But the thing is, like, it's not even getting old. It's just growing up a little bit. This whole like nihilism and individualism that I was defined by, postmodernism that all of my previous albums have been defined by individualism, drug addiction, nihilism, the search for all these kind of things. The internet. The internet. It's all very sexy and cool and transgressive and maybe appropriate at that time. But it will, life will eventually make way for a less. Sexy set of circumstances, family question mark, responsibility mm-hmm. question mark, love question mark, and these are the big things. Now, I've always be I've been scared of the big things, and I've never wanted to take them on. And certain people don't. David Byrne could write the best song in the world about this cup, mm-hmm. and it would be amazing. But that's the small thing. He's not going to write a song about love. He'll he'll manage to <laughs> by accident. Mm-hmm. But I've always done small things. I've gone, okay, well, what you got can- there in the end, man.
0: I mean, home's where I want to be. That's where you're at on this album now.
1: This is what I mean. It took him a while of only looking at the small to yeah. make so many small gestures that he painted this huge world. Yeah, yeah. And I think with this record, I was like, yeah, I could say, I've got a disease and you took a picture of your salad and put it on the internet. I could do that. <laughs> or I could say, just tell me you love me, that's all that I need to hear. It's
0: amazing. It, it was really it was a revelation hearing you get to the get to the point. And that's that, that, in that, that thing
1: about I'm talking about earnestness is that if you're always earnest, then when you really do it, it doesn't it, 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 it doesn't really translate. Whereas the one thing that I know on this record is that I believe everything that I'm saying. Because it's hard, because that's the thing where I'll edit. I'll go back and be like, was that did I mean that? Or was I posturing or was I like making it up? You know oh, man, I, mean? I
0: saw you on Jules the other night and you were like, nothing wrong with a little self-indulgence.
1: And so lo- that, yeah, I said that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was great because you, you, let the,
0: you let the song go for another 32 bars of sax solo and you <laughs> literally caught yourself and went, nothing wrong with a little self-indulgence. And it was brilliant because <clears throat> what it said was like, I'm, I'm fully aware that you at home and especially all the kids out there are just dying to move on. But I kind, kind of want to let this just go
1: kind of just want to do my thing yeah
0: man and and i just think it's for me it's really fascinating but i i want to i want to finish by asking you this what do you know about love at this point in your life to write
1: those kind of songs you can't be wise and in love that's what bob dylan said Mm. you can't be wise and in love it's a trade-off after it you can be wise Mm. for a bit until you're in love again Mm. you can't be wise and in love so trying to be both which is what i always was is sisyphus you know it's completely Sisyphean. It's, for me, I've always wanted all loves at once. I've wanted the romantic love, I've wanted the phone call at the end of the night, I've wanted the text in the morning, I've wanted the connection with 10,000 people on the other side of the world, I've wanted the domestic life, I've wanted the love from fans, I've wanted all those loves at once. And because I always tried to take them at once, they were always in conflict with one another. So my malady that was going on in my my relationship would mean that I'd be thinking about it when I'm stood in front of like 10,000 people, when I shouldn't be thinking about that. I should be thinking about that love. And what I'm trying to do is separate the loves and experience them Mm. as exclusively Mm. as possible. Mm. Because when you're 20 and you've got all this love and all these girlfriends and all these people that...
0: thrashy as fuck.
1: It's just thrashy as fuck, man. Mm. And and I think that now, like, I, I, I think I'm starting to understand where the love is. And what I don't want to take for granted is that thing that we've spoken about. Why do people do that at shows? Grown people will go to a show and they know they can't touch you, but they do that. But it's because they're reaching for that one thing that, like, connects you and the artist. It's this transient ephemeral thing that is what music is You're talking is. on mass
0: because that means something else as well. You know that means something else. No, no,
1: no I'm talking No,
0: and I'm not talking about what you think. I mean that that is also applause, is it not?
1: Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. And, and it's No, it's applause, it's
0: applause. If you're hearing impaired, it's applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And 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 I think that but also But you see it
0: on mass, it must mean something else. Well,
1: yeah, but it's people reaching for something, which is why I like hate paid meet and greets. Because it's like someone's, you, you've paid for the album, you've paid for the ticket, you've yeah, paid no, for the parking, yeah, 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 you bad. get him in the room and somebody's no, no, gone, no, no, how do we monetize that it's bit? It's not good, <laughs> like, it's just not good. How do, we, how do we get this, you know the touchy bit? Yeah. You know the, what the model should be? What? If you want to do a, I tell you what, if you want to do paid meet and greets, do them. I stand by you. but you take the money. If you're an artist and you do paid meet and greets, do it, cash, and you take the money off the fan. I challenge you to do that. Don't, don't what, put it on in the, lab- the moment. Yes. Like, yes. Okay, don't put it on the much, label. I don't don't take put it checks, on the cash only. Don't put it on the company. Don't put the responsibility on someone Jamie, else. Can we get the Apple Pay over here, please, mate? I've got a fan who wants to shake my hand no, and get this, an autograph. Right? It's fucking gross. It's absolutely fucking gross that you might. Now, now young people being convinced by adults that want to make more money and go, oh, yeah, sure. So, I'm not judging them. I'm saying, trust me. Do a paid meet and greet where it's 20 quid a meet and greet and every single fan before they touch you go, let me see that 20 and you'll do it for two minutes and you'll never fucking do it again because you'll realize that it's disgraceful.
0: Yeah.
1: And all that lot, that Jared Leto crowd who promote all that, is it's a fucking abomination.
0: Greatest rapper of all time. Lil Wayne. The 1975's new album, Being Funny in a Foreign Language, is streaming now on Apple Music. Go and check it out. Thanks for listening to my podcast with Maddie Healy from the 1975. Next week, I share a conversation with the incredible Kate Blanchett. We talk about her brand new film, Tar, which is in theaters right now and is an incredible watch. We also talk about many other things, and it's coming up next week. Take care.